All right, welcome on into the In the Open podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jay Selmer. We got Gabe Walsh and uh, Eric Sir in here too. They're helping host. And we've got some guests on today from Kill Switch Outdoors. Pretty stoked to have you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Happy to be here. So you guys just want to introduce yourselves, uh, say a little bit about yourselves, maybe where you guys live, and give the listeners a little info. Yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Matt Garcia. So uh, originally from Cheyenne, Wyoming, that's uh, where I met Sean and Gabe. Been uh, doing the Kill Switch Outdoors things off and on since about 2013. Been getting real serious about it over these past couple of years. So, yeah. One twenty years. Nice. Yeah, I'm Gabe Gutierrez. I've been with uh, um, Kill Switch, so same thing with Matt and Sean since about off and on since 2013. Uh, born and raised in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, I left for a small stint um, to for Denver for college, um, but after that, the mountains called my name back to Wyoming. So moved back, met my wife, had a couple kids, and um, and enjoying it, man. Nice. Yeah, I'm. Uh raised here in Cheyenne in Wyoming and played baseball in eastern Nebraska met my wife and like Gabe came running back home it's the only time I really spent away from uh from home and then uh yeah just recently that started my own company and started working for myself and got rid of the corporate crap and wanted to make kiddos and a super supportive wife been with these guys for a long time we yeah we started in 2013 and yeah well, you're kind of breaking up a tiny bit on your end. Okay, let me see if I can. Sorry. All right, let's see if I can readjust here. Nice, that's awesome. So, uh, when did you guys start hunting? Was it like a later in life kind of thing, or did uh, you have a someone introduce it to you when you were younger? Oh man, I've uh, I've been hunting since well, not hunting myself, but with my dad since I was about five or six years old. And it's always been a family thing for us. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he introduced it to me, and man, I was hooked. And it wasn't it wasn't always the hunting part of it. It was the preparation for the hunt. Him and my grandpa and my uncles would all just get together and you know have a few beers and you know getting their stuff together, loading trailers. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. And uh, yeah, I didn't start really tagging along, you know, for elk hunting until I was ten because my dad said it was kind of like a rite of passage. You know, when you get to that age, it, it becomes real because um, when they used to go, I mean, they didn't have trailers that they slept in. They, my dad slept in the back of the pickup truck with a, like a tonneau cover over it. And that's what he slept in. And it, it got cold. It got really cold. My first my first memory, it was freezing my ass off. Like, what in the heck am I doing? I thought this was supposed <laughs> to be awesome. But, you know, living the camp life, I mean, we, we hunted with uh, Matt and his dad. I've known Matt since I was shoot four years old and uh my dad and his dad used to hunt together same thing same place and i'd meet matt he'd be up there and so i had a little buddy to to hang around with and and while the old men did their stuff so man it's always been in our blood nice yeah i feel like a lot of people like it's you start off with deer hunting and like driving around in the truck with dad you know and then as you get a little older they introduce you to elk hunting and it's tough at first, you know what I mean? Okay. De- definitely. That's that's how it was. You know, like Gabe just kind of gave you a little bit of 
you know, how him and I got into it. But that was definitely big for my dad. Like, okay, you're, let's work you on deer first. And then uh, when you prove yourself to be grown enough, then, then we'll start bringing you along for elk. And, you know, that was, that was a bigger day than graduation for me. That was like, oh, I finally made it to the big boy camp. Like, Oh, for sure. How about you, I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I didn't really get into it seriously until like my later teen years. Uh, but uh, he just went out with friends and, and family and stuff like that. My dad was an older gentleman, so I got out the rear end of his hunting career. Um, you know, lost a little bit of mobility to get get around and do the things that he used to do. But um, I ended up joining up as later on. And well, early, late teens, early 20s. And uh, we've had some pretty successful. It's been more of a blossom that a, out of, you know, camaraderie with, with the guys. And it's just gotten to be such a serious thing now that we're all kind of, you know, doing our own thing and family uh, work and stuff like that. Um, I started going out a lot of, doing a lot of solo stuff, which has been great. Um, but now we're starting as we, you know, have the, access to to adult money and adult schedules and stuff (laughs) if anyone wants to add anything to like feel free no worries at all oh no so uh i'm taking it elk is probably your guys's favorite species to hunt yeah yeah Yeah. definitely it's it's a it's a completely different type of hunting i mean uh, I, I I try to explain it to people, but they have to experience it, you know, to get the full the full aspect of exactly what elk hunting is and what it means. And uh, it, it's you know we we all mule deer hunt, um, but it just something about having an elk screaming in your face and then going up to that animal after you harvested it and you know saying the thanks and whatnot. It's it's awesome. I would I would. I, I told my wife I would never move any place outside of Wyoming or maybe even Colorado or Montana that that would um, restrict me from elk hunting or deer hunting. I mean, it's it's in my blood. It's something that I'm always going to do. I just don't want to spend seven hundred dollars for a tag to do it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I would, I would, but you know, the pocketbook thing, being an adult, makes it a little tougher. I feel like that was a direct shot at me in Texas now, Gabe. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they have all the exotics though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's definitely interesting talking to, to hunters down here compared to what I'm used to as hunting being in Wyoming and you know, Colorado throughout the whole Rocky Mountain range and it, it's completely different. You know, what's viewed at as hunting down here is it not to not to besmirch it or anything, you know, everybody has their own ways of doing it and how to harvest and provide for their families, but it's just a completely different world and talking to everybody down here you know everything's the big white tail the big white tail they're like oh we would love to go to wyoming for an antelope and i'm like all right you're setting the bar pretty low there pal like <laughs> like at least at least a muley definitely elk and then once i could start talking to them about elk and and all the preparation and the hard work they're like oh i don't just get to sit in a tree stand all day like no thank you like it, yeah, yeah i'm good with that <laughs> yeah antelope is like probably the easiest hunt out west you know <laughs> i think that's, that's why they look forward to it they're not ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
You mean I don't have to climb any mountains? Everything's flat, <laughs> and uh, there's 500 of them outside your front door? Yeah, let's do that. Easy. <laughs> I feel right at home. <laughs> Gabe, you want to take the next couple of questions? Yeah, I can go ahead with those. Um, so do you guys have any, like, specific hunting memories that kind of stick out to you as, like, your favorite or ones, like, when you think of hunting, it's just, like, the first thing that comes into your mind? Oh, yeah. Um, a, a couple years ago, and we, I've been venturing into grizzly country quite a bit more as I get older, and, um, you know, I just want to hunt more of my state, and some of the best parts of our are in the western half where, you know, there's, um, that could be pretty good inning, but, you know, once you get in there and figure out all you got to do is be smart and, you know, have your awareness to you. It could be really, maybe some of the best hunts you'll have. And a couple of years ago, you know, we learned that, um, you know, cow calling and calf calling needs to be done in moderation for sure. We, um, I had shot my bull already and pulled my meat um, in the first evening and second afternoon. But then the next day as we were working to get a another buddy's bull, we were calling into a camp where we had some we were trying to work work a couple of decent satellite bulls that were in that herd and uh there apparently there was a bear that was working the same herd because above us i turned my head i saw some movement heard some cracking some of the uh, an aspen flu that was above me and i had a big boar um at 20 yards looking over the hill down at both of us and, uh i had enough time to turn and you know, yell him off, and and we were both in full draw, but stood up on his hind legs. We count his claws; he was close enough. And he took a look at us, and you can see he was just like trying to figure out. He's like, he's like, is that the elk I was here? And he figured it out. But he took a look at us, and then he turned and bolted the other way. You know, the best scenario in that case you could have. But pulling bulls out of that kind of country and having an encounter like that at 27 yards, you know, that could have gone away. One way or the other is probably one of my best memories, scariest memories. But with mm. pack of wolves howling up on the reservation too. It's cool country, but probably the best that I've that I've got because it was one of those experiences that could have gone really, really bad, um, but ended up they possibly could have. Yeah, it makes Glad you're here to share that sure. memory, Sean. Yeah, literally, <laughs> it's pretty spooky, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, mine, you know, for hunts, as long as I had mine, actually, my fondest memory actually came this year. Uh, Matt uh, was actually filming us for this hunt, and uh, I was able to bring my son along with me. And uh, he's eight. This is his first real time um, being out in the woods. We're bow hunting. And uh, we had the elk screaming all around us. Um, I got to teach him some cool stuff, you know, about um, rubs and sign and, you know, the wind direction and but just having that elk screaming right there and being able, or being able to take or go full draw on one. And, uh, if I had a cow tag, by the way, it was, a uh, it was, uh, a limited draw area and I didn't draw the bull tag, but I used the bulls to get to the cows. And, uh, but my son being right there with me, having a six point bull screaming, you know, right in front of us. And that, that's something that I'll never forget. And I'm so grateful Matt was there to capture it on video. And we have it on our YouTube page if you guys ever want to check it out. Um, we came away that day unsuccessful, but, I mean, my son still talks about it today. And I'll oh, yeah. never forget that hunt. His first experience, you know, getting the, getting the bug. Dude, it's so primal, especially when they're, like, screaming at you. You're like, 
whole, you can feel it in your chest. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. You have to be there to, to, to believe it. I mean, you yeah. can talk about it all day long, but shoot, unless you're actually in it. I mean, it's sorry. My wife's sitting next to me, but it's better than sex. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> she laughs. She goes, uh, uh, say you did uh, get smacked. We'll goes, wait till the goes, video. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, at least there's no video getting posted, right? <laughs> yeah, but so, yeah, that was, that was a special experience for me, kind of being a, a a passive participant, you know, just being behind the camera and following and and watching Gabe interact with his son. Uh, that was pretty special for me, you know. I, I think about that a lot right now because um, my wife and I are expecting, like, any day now. Actually, she's about to give birth, so. Uh, just think, think, thank you. And, and thinking back on how how Gabe was just teaching his son, you know, and all these things that his son will never forget was definitely something that uh, has definitely been at the front of my mind quite a bit lately. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to do that, you know, down the road because it's going to be our first child. But um, but before that, like my my best memory hunting or my most vivid memory hunting was. Uh, my very first, my very first deer hunting trip where I actually got to carry a rifle. You know, I had mm -hmm. been, you know, several times with my, my dad, my grandfather, you know, Gabe and his dad were there, you know, before I was legally allowed to hunt. Um, but my first year deer hunting, I'll never forget. There was three separate things that happened. So the, the, the first one, um, I was walking with, uh, one of my dad's buddies while my dad was kind of working a, a different draw. And we were just kind of trying to flank a herd to see, you know, who could get a better shot because we noticed there were a couple bucks there. And we were kind of coming around a bowl and we saw a really nice buck, at least in my mind. You know, I was 12. Looking back now, I think it was, you know, it, it seemed like a really nice buck. And I remember my dad's buddy looking at me and going, that, that's a really nice buck. Do you want to take this shot? And I was like, yes, but I just remember you know, hunter safety, you know, don't take a shot you're not fully confident in. And, you know, again, in my mind, it feels like it was a 600 yard shot. It was probably like 150, you know, but, you know, I, I had buck fever so bad and just feeling all that adrenaline for the first time. Like I was so excited and scared and I, who knows what other bodily functions were about to happen that I was trying to hold in. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I ended up, you know, I wasn't confident in the shot. And I told him, no, like, I, I don't feel comfortable taking the shot. And he did knocked it down, you know, like a pro <laughs> and then field dressed, uh, field dressed his deer. Then we kind of kept around over the next ridge. And then there was a, another buck pretty close to the same size, a little bit smaller. And I was like, okay, I've got this one. And just the way he talked me through it and getting to see him like, kind of experience like moments before the pro his process of everything that went into setting up a, an ethical shot and, and, you know, how you, how you treat the animal once it's been harvested and, um, you know, uh, you know, that it's not just like a bloodlust that if there's a lot of appreciation that goes into it and then immediately within the next hour being able to do it myself. And I knocked down my first, my first buck, a little, uh, five by five and, and that was, uh, I mean, that was incredible. So I said it was three points. So it was the same hunting trip, but actually the day before. Okay. Uh, 
probably a bad idea, but my dad got me a bipod for my rifle right away. So every time I shot at a target or anything, I had to sit down, pull that bipod down, lay down. And we had an older, older gentleman who was probably in his 60s, close to 70s in that in our camp at that time. And we're sitting around having lunch and a, like a little, you know, three point walks by. And they're like, oh, Matt, that'd be a good deer for you. I'm like, oh, heck, yeah. I, I grab my bipod. I lay it down. I'm still in the process of crouching and getting prone. And then I hear boom, and I just see that deer fall out of my skull. Oh. And that older gentleman looks at me <laughs> and goes, I don't need no stinking bipod. <laughs> I'm like, okay, lesson learned. Lesson learned there. So that, those are my three, my, my biggest memories from my first ever hunting trip. That's awesome. You mentioned like getting youth into it. Both of you, a couple of your guys' stories like really revolved around that. I think that's really awesome and it's really important for like the future hunting. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. That's what we're kind of going for, you know, with our, with our kill switch brand is, you know, family oriented, you know, youth and whatnot. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's really important to us because we're all going to have kids. Um, here soon. Um, Sean has a daughter and a son, and uh, they're going to be right next to him here before you even know it, huh, Sean? And yeah. so uh, it's very important to get them involved too, and and make sure that they understand, you know, why we do it, you know, how it impacts not only us but um, the herds as well, the whole conservation behind it, and everything. So it, it's 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 important for us to to start teaching them young. And uh, just and let them make their decision later on in life if this is something they want to pursue. To, to touch on that, like, you know, it one of the things that we do in this household, and I know you guys do too, is the importance of, you know, what what happens to the harvest. Like, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. My my family is absolutely voracious with wild game meat. Um, I, you know, I, I harvested a good bull this year. I mean, not good in horn-wise, but a good bodied bull, raghorn, but... We're almost, I mean, we're almost all the way through it. It won't last us through April. My son, who's one, I mean, asks for my name, elk. My daughter, you know, asks for elk tacos every night. And my wife loves like elk breakfast sandwiches. And it's just getting that, that, that um, product out of my harvest has been one of the coolest things for me. Like seeing my family take to it, um, it, it gives a different aspect of the reason why. I go out and want to make sure I fill a tag. I'm not a horn hunter. Um, I have no patience whatsoever. Um, if I'm full draw on a cow and there's a bull line, I'm packing out a cow that day. Oh, for sure. But that's it's good for the kids to know that that's not why, we, you know, the headgear isn't why we do it. The sustenance behind it and trying to get through a whole year without having to suffer and being able to eat some of the best, the best possible input for your body in the world. Especially like right now, the price of meat is like pretty expensive. If you can go oh, harvest it yourself, it's yeah. If you can go harvest it yourself, it's a lot better and cleaner, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, I can even touch like. Go, go ahead, muscle. I was just gonna touch on a, like you guys talk about hunting with your kids, and it's just I mean I'm too young to even think about kids, but 80% of my hunting memories are with my dad and spending those days in the field with my dad and uncles and family and my dad was right next to me for my first year and 
we were right next to my sister for her first year. So it's just something that like I'll always remember hunting with my dad through my whole youth. And as long as he's able to get up the mountains, we'll be going out together. So yeah, yeah. it's definitely something to think about, you know, when I have kids. I mean, I, I don't want to raise them any other way than be out in the woods with them. Oh, definitely, man. So, uh, Sean, Matt, and myself, uh, we've grown up playing baseball, travel baseball. Um, we've all played on championship <laughs> teams and played in championship games and whatnot. And, you know, but if you think about vivid memories, it always comes back to out in the field, you know, hunting, you know, fishing, you know, those games will always be there. But one thing that comes to my mind is something, or something happened in this when I was out in the woods. And so it's it's a, it's a big part of my life. And gosh dang it, I, I hope I can pass that down too. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm the same. I don't know about you, Eric. Um, you got any little hunting memories you want to share? One. I guess there you go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, some of my fondest memories as a kid were definitely going out with my grandpa hunting. I mean, he lives over in Sealy Lake, and I just remember like always being frigid cold because we go out in like early November, and I just remember some of those most vivid memories I have are going out with him or, you know, when I even going out with my parents when I was too young to actually, you know, carry a rifle and shoot a deer. I just remember I'd pack along this little toy rifle, the ones with like the little orange tips and everyone knows it's just a plastic toy gun. And yeah, I just felt like king of the world hiking along with my mom and dad as we're looking <laughs> for muleys in the mountains. It was just a blast. That's awesome. I think we've all experienced the, uh, the toy gun carrying around. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> The Red yeah. Rider BB gun, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, Poor dog. Exactly. Poor dog growing up was my trophy bull so many times. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's get into gear a little bit. Uh, we did get one couple questions uh, sent in from the Instagram. Yeah. This one's from a Montana sportsman. What are you guys' go to hunting boots? I'll let Sean answer that. He's uh he's pretty good. Yeah, he's very uh, knowledgeable about the gear. Uh yeah, thanks, man. Um I I like I err on the fact that I think one of the most important pieces of gear you can have, especially if you do the kind of hunting that you do um, western states, you know, it's miles in the mountains, it's tough hiked miles, it's deadfall. I think the most important piece of equipment you can have outside of your physical fitness is are your boots. And I've gone through multiple brands like Honwog, Merrill, uh, Canatrek, and I've tried them all um, in, you know, search of the right boot for me. And I, I landed on Crispy, and they're not the most expensive, not the cheapest boot, but uh, I, I haven't found a boot better um, better suited for my, my style of hunting than, than Crispy's. Um, they, I mean, they have, they have a ball, they have great ankle support, and their waterproofing is, I mean, they, they just don't leak. And I've put hundreds and hundreds of miles on one pair of my Monaco's and they're a leather base and they just, they won't, they won't leak. And if you add gators to the equation, it's your feet are going to stay dry and you're going to be able to hike a lot longer, a lot farther and stay comfortable. Cause I mean, let's be honest, if you get a blister and you don't have Luco tape or some kind of a repair system in your, in your pack. And even if you do, it's going to short your hike. Tenfold. Yeah, it makes your hunt miserable, especially when your feet are rough, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, crispies are the are the boot of my choice anyways. Yeah. Uh, 
And I wish I had uh, the experience trying out different boots that Sean did, but I'm such a creature of habit and I'm ridiculously superstitious when it comes <laughs> to my gear. So the, the same pair of boots that I got, oh geez, like, you know, at this point, you know, 15 plus years ago, uh, when I shot my first elk, it's still the same pair of boots I'm wearing today. It's an old beat up pair of Rockies that I got to put nine layers of water sealer on it every single year and let them air out for a month before the hunt because they just smell so bad like that silicone <laughs> water sealant. But again, just I know it makes no sense, but I'm just like, if I just change my boots, I'm probably not going to harvest this year. So <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes back to the old baseball days. You know, if something's working, don't don't change it. So, I mean, yeah, I'm still using like an old beat up pair of Rockies, but they've they've held up for a long time and they're definitely insulated for uh, way colder weather than I probably need for most of my hunts. But what can I say? <laughs> I've been successful since I've been wearing them. So it works. It works, yeah. you know? Yeah. In Sean hit it on the head. Your 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 feet are super important. And I'm not gonna say the brand of boot that I wore, but man, a few years back I shot an elk and uh it was just starting to snow and it was that really thick, heavy, wet snow, big flakes, and I was gutting out the elk and uh my foot went into the puddle of blood. Okay. And these boots are supposed to be waterproof. And uh with the snow it started mixing up in with the blood and it was a big puddle. Man, those boots stunk so bad. They seeped into my feet. And I, my feet have never stunk like that ever in my life. And I was like, what the heck is this? I got home, you know, from the hunt. And I thought, okay, I'll wash them. It, it'll, it'll come out. No. It, 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 they still stink. And I kept I kept them because they're super comfortable boots. But I can't wear them anymore because they stink. So I threw them out last year. Uh, they're, they're just so bad. So uh, find you a good waterproof boot. Yeah, you never know it. You know what kind of terrain you're going to encounter. You know, those bulls, they go down to the deepest, nastiest stuff. They like water. They like to be around water sources, uh, marshes or whatnot. And you just have to take care of your feet or else your hunt's going to be screwed up. Because by the time you get back to camp to dry those boots, I mean, they're going to stink. And then your whole hunt's pretty much going to be wasted, at least for the stocking aspect of it, because they're going to smell you. Gators make a boot great and a great boot unbeatable i usually rock the kenetrex i like a little stiffer boot and they're not too stiff but stiff enough you know for climbing those hills and stuff right i don't know about you and eric or gabe and eric sorry i couldn't even tell you the brand of boot i wear they're comfy i wear them through the snow my feet don't get wet so i've had them for <laughs> probably eight years now and they're going strong so I mean, they're like Walmart brands. They're something really simple that I got when I was young. And my dad wanted to get me a big pair of boots so I could grow into, and they still work today. So that's what I wear around. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things with taking kids hunting and fishing. I mean, the gear. You're going to spend a lot of money because you're going to, same thing. Oh, you're, he's going to yeah. go into these boots. Or next year you buy him some good camo or some good, you know, hunt clothes. And the next year you throw yeah. them out of him like, crap, you got to spend 100 more bucks. But the reason why I mentioned Sean as far as the gear is because uh, out of the three of us, he's uh, he's really the one that that actually goes up on and sleeps on the mountain, and uh, he hikes like that. I he he does a completely different type of hunting than Matt and I do, and so he uh, he has to have the right gear because he's sleeping on there and he's done it, you know, in snowstorms and whatnot. Um, so that's why I'm kind of pinpointing Sean, you know, um, looking for his advice and stuff on this on this topic. 
Okay. So, uh, do you guys prefer rifle or the archery season? Uh, so I, I'm typically a rifle hunter. Um, I've been shooting archery for a few years and it's never consistently where I've, I've felt comfortable actually trying to harvest a, an animal with, with my bow. So that's just definitely, you know, time, you know, kind of adult life getting in the way of me really getting better at it. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to doing in you know, in the coming seasons, but, uh, I've been a rifle hunter my whole life. Cause that's, that's what my family did. And, uh, or, you know, my dad and everything, he's never, I don't know if he's ever even shot a bow in his entire life. So not something I was raised around. So definitely rifle is going to be, has been my main and most comfortable, but I, I want to get into archery big time. I just started archery hunting, um, I think the last three years, and uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do too, just like Matt, but it takes a lot of time, and I never wanted to go out in the woods, you know, shooting archery, you know, just because hunting season was coming, oh, I got to shoot my bow, you know, I got to make sure I'm familiar with it. No, I wanted to make sure I was seasoned in my mind to go out there to make every type of shot possible, and so it took me a while to get into archery, you know, to get the feel of a bow um, and stuff like that, and this year was my first time drawing on an animal, um, and I missed. I it just comes with uh, with learning how to archery hunt. You have to compensate, you know, for elevation, shooting uphill, shooting downhill, shooting from prone or not prone. I'm sorry, from a kneeling position, um, standing up. And so uh, um, I had a cow of 37 yards or so, and I shot, but a I was shooting uphill, and so I hit the rock right underneath her. And uh, that was actually the first time I ever let an arrow fly at an animal. And I tell you what, from that time, I am completely hooked. And so I've always considered myself a rifle hunter, but I'm more and more leaning towards the archery stage because um, I'm able to bring my son with me. Now, it gets too cold in Wyoming right now for an eight-year-old to come rifle hunt with me for a week. It's just too much for him in my mind. Um, the bulls aren't bugling really anymore. And so you have to put the miles on and he's just not ready for that, but he does go archery hunting with me. And so, um, you're able to not put that many miles on. Um, he's super quiet. He's a good little hunter. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to really get into more of the archery hunting aspect instead of the rifle, but, um, it, it's, it's still all fun to me though. I agree. It's all, it's all a good time. I, um, so much fun with with these guys in the same camps and you know about 10 or 11 years ago i started really putting effort into archery and i picked up a bow and took the first time and i have been nothing but archery ever since. um the rifle is now kind of my backup plan but um the wrong way to do it it's just in my in my experience having having the bow with hiking and you know some of the better weather um, and the experiences that you get with the game that you're chasing, um, you know, rifle's great. You can reach out and, and harvest the bull. But when you challenge, I think it, it tests your your merit in the woods a little bit um, and your ability, your understanding of, of the animal that you're chasing to try to work that animal, uh, figure that animal out, get him within 
you know, respectable range. And then, you know, even more so when they do bugle within sight or base or when you, I mean, you can tell them before you draw on them. Those experiences, I don't think I would trade for anything, um, which is, I think, why the rifle's taking the back seat. You know, it's just a, I turn into a weekend warrior when it comes to rifle sometimes. And I take two or three weeks and I just go hard for archery. But archery is definitely my, my number one choice for sure. Hey, Eric, do you have any questions for these guys? I don't want to leave you out. So sorry about oh, that. Oh, no worries. Hey, that's fine. Um, I guess, you know, from my perspective, much like you guys, I grew up rifle hunting, but I haven't yet actually took that big first step in archery. And, you know, I think a lot of people out there in the hunting world, they usually start with rifle and then step into archery. So I guess my question would be for, from my perspective, what would be your guys' biggest piece of advice for someone wanting to step into archery that's never really ever picked up a bow before perhaps, or just doesn't really have that background with archery? Yeah, and Sean, I think you're best to answer that. Sure. Uh, uh, I would uh, I would say don't go, you know, blow your whole paycheck on a on a bow if you're going to start if you're going to start somewhere, grab a used bow that has a draw length, and then take take it to the shop, let them set you up on your draw length, and just go start shooting. And then I would say try like the 3D archery shoots and stuff like that, or hit the range, or if you're you know if you have uh, some property, just just start shooting. And the thing that I would recommend would be take a weekend and just commit to that weekend with taking your bow. I mean, even if, even if it's September one when they're really not turned on yet, um, pick a weekend that's going to be good for you and just and just go and try your and to get close to an animal and putting yourself in that. Because I can promise you, like you'll get if you don't have the itch, getting close. Elk or a deer or anything you're going to chase, getting close to it will give you the itch and will like kind of violently shove you into taking the next necessary steps. To, you know, getting your physical mm-hmm. right and and jumping into a full force. But I'd yep. say don't blow. Oh, I'd say just get get an affordable bow and start shooting and practicing. That's that's a good point, Sean. And then uh, um, I'd also say don't be intimidated. Um, by going into an archery shop, asking questions, you know, asking questions about how this bow works, you know, what happens if I if I do this, you know, getting your draw length done, um, getting arrows sized up just for your, for that bow, it can be intimidating because you don't want to feel like they're looking at you like, man, this guy he's gonna try to bow hunt, he's asking all these questions. That's what they're there for. That's their job is to point you in the right direction to make sure you have the bow that's equipped for you. And so. Um, don't be intimidated by it. Everybody's new at some point, you know, archery. It, you, you're just not born into it. Um, and then, like Sean said, just go out there and do it. For sure. No, that's really helpful. Because uh, I'm definitely trying to blow the paycheck on a bow here coming up. So, <laughs> it was Gabe and I's last uh, first season archery hunting last year. And we just went full bore, man. I bought a super expensive <laughs> bow. And, uh, yeah, it was fun, though. It was so worth it. Yeah, I could tell how excited you were there, too. You had the hands on the like, face and everything. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> I got yelled at. <laughs> yeah, if I were to answer different from theirs, I'd just say, yeah, once you get the bow and everything, just put your time in. Uh, Eric lives in town with me, and we have a 
archery range that's a walk-around range with about 30 targets outside of just some regular uh, target lanes. Um, and that's about five minutes from each of our houses. So it's really easy to go up there at night and spend half hour or an hour, a few times a week, every night of the week, just shooting. Cause once you're out in it, you want to make sure you're confident with all the shots that come up. Cause they're not all going to be easy shots and you're really not going to have a choice in the field. So just getting really comfortable with shooting in a lot of different situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I tell definitely. you what, um, when, when I missed that elk this year, I can't tell you how relieved I was that I did not hit that elk, you know, or at least wound it. It wasn't a good lethal hit because as an archery hunter, if, uh, if I would have hit that elk and I hit it bad and that thing took off and it was wounded, gosh, dang it, man. I probably would have ate my tag right there and there. I would have called my hunt done. And so, um, really get comfortable shooting. You got to understand that if you miss, miss big, you know, if you're going to hit, hit small. So. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely just getting comfortable and shooting. It, don't wait for the perfect conditions and the perfect day to get out and shoot. You're probably better served to go out on that windy day or when it's raining or when it's snowing because those are the conditions you're going to be in when you're out archery hunting. So uh, same thing with rifle. You know, I go out and shoot in all of those conditions at an outdoor range because I want to be be confident in when I pull that trigger that I know where that lead's going to fly and where it's going to hit so just like gabe you don't want to waste a shot wounding an animal uh, and then possibly not finding it and just wasting a good harvest so shooting as often as you can in any kind of condition you can and i've I've got a term for that and i call it relevant repetition um and it's it's something that you just do you need to put yourself in those situations like they're saying i mean elevated heart rate Sometimes I've got a little acreage here. I take a, a lap around my pasture and get back to my shooting spot with an elevated heart rate. And then I, I take I take a full quiver of shots with an elevated heart rate. So doing all those things, shooting in the wind, like they're saying, is absolutely 100% relevant. And like make your repetition relevant to what you're going to be experiencing in the woods for sure. I really like that. What I've been doing recently is uh, I'll drive out to the woods and I'll take one shot. And just that one shot, that's it just try to replicate you know what i mean just because you're likely only going to get one shot during archery anyway um yeah just trying to do that yeah that's a that's a good idea you know i've never really practiced like that before but it makes sense yeah put the pressure on get in your head a little bit you know (laughs) (laughs) so as we know um you're gonna you have to cover a lot of ground especially when you're western hunting doing hiking a lot of mountains bugling doing a lot of trails and stuff covering ground so what uh what type of stuff do you guys do for fitness is are you shed hunting a lot are you going to the gym so uh as often as possible i think the big thing whether you're shed hunting or just hiking like the 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 best thing you can do is just be out in the mountains because no matter what you do in the gym or on a trail it's not going to really replicate what you're doing in the mountains, stepping over logs, crossing creeks, you know, just getting your body used to the terrain that you're going to be hunting in. If you're if you're able to do that, now not everybody has that uh, available to them all the time or the schedule. You know, some people work night shifts. You know, so they just don't have time to do this. Uh, but my next best thing since I've moved to to Texas is 
uh, wading down a frame pack and going on hikes and going up and down any hills that I can. You know, there's not many just outside of Houston, Texas, uh, but there's some good trails that I've found that, uh, you know, are all dirt and wooded that go up, you know, decent grades, not high in elevation, but throwing some weight on a frame pack and just getting used to that hike. Yeah, getting the elevation too and, and getting acclimated to that is is huge, especially if you're gonna come out west. I hunt typically between nine to ten thousand feet. And uh where I where I live, Cheyenne, and we're about sixty-five. Um and so it's a it's a big jump. And so um getting closer to the season around August, um, even late July, uh, we'll go up there, we'll camp. I'll like Matt said, I'll uh put a pack frame on with some weight on it and just start hiking, getting myself acclimated to that elevation because uh, once you're up there and you find yourself in the deepest, darkest canyons and whatnot, and then you have to climb back up, goodness gracious, man, that's going to take everything out of you. So being prepared for that is, I think, pretty important. Yeah, I think it goes back to that relevant repetition term, uh, put weight in your pack if, you, you know, if you're in the flatlands and you don't have access to mountains. Find yourself, you know, a set of high school bleachers at your local school or whatever. Hike those bleachers. I mean, it, it sucks, but I, I put a lot of, um, you know, our basketball training stuff like that into into work because I don't I don't go to the gym. I don't have a gym membership. Um, I woods or with weight on my pack or my kids in my pack. Um, when we I take my family backpack trip in the summertime, and uh, I. Like I make sure I, I like to have my kids in the pack. It's and it's you know it's dual beneficial. It's gets the kids in the woods, gets them to experience you know tent camping and being in the mountains and getting comfortable, you know in the mountains in the dark and stuff like that. And it's dual beneficial for that. And it also keeps me in shape by being in the woods. And I shed hunt. I mean a lot. I've got a lot of trips planned this spring so far in Arizona and stuff. So I got quite a bit. Uh, people that you know, it's. The season's over, but it's not the off season. It's technically just a really um, start now. And if you can start now and keep up, you know, some kind of a regular pay, you're going to hit hard and reap the benefits. Like when Gabe said, you're in those dark canyons, and much less if you're coming out with meat on your back. And it's it it's it does everything for you to make sure that you're doing the the things that that you're going to experience in the mountains because it's a different experience. Gabe, can you do you have any questions for these guys? That you're, yeah. I'll just kind of continue with our questions. I don't have any off the top of my head right now. Um, and you guys have touched on this a little bit, but uh, if you guys just want to elaborate a little bit on like how you guys came up with Kill Switch Outdoors, how it started, kind of your your goal of of the page and the brand, I guess. Yeah, sure. So. Uh... You know, we'd been all hunting together, fishing, doing all kinds of outdoor stuff together for, you know, the majority of our lives. And then, you know, social media just kind of gave us a whole new avenue to kind of share things with people. And and when we first started Kill Switch Outdoors, we actually started under the name as Team Kill Switch. Um, and it was just a Facebook page and we didn't have any big plans for it or anything. You know, we weren't looking for promotions or sponsorships or mm -hmm or anything like that. We just wanted to share what we were doing with, you know, with our Facebook friends or, you know, get as many people to share what they were doing in the woods. So, you know, we, we had some 
pretty terrible and terribly edited videos of some of our hunts, just pictures of our harvests and fishing trips. And that was the, I mean, that's really how it started. Just, you know, it, it never really was meant to, to go big when we first started. And, you know, we've all said that we've been doing it off and on since 2013. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, the Facebook page would kind of die down for a while. Then we'd be like, oh, cool, let's post some pictures. Let's get started up again. And then, you know, life gets in the way. We all get married. Uh, people start having families. I move away. Uh, but over these past few years, we've decided, you know, hey, this is something that we really want to pursue and, and, and make, make you know, a part of our daily lives is the, the Kill Switch Outdoors. So we, we did a rebranding, changed the name. Uh, Sean designed some sweet logos for us. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it was just always about just sharing the outdoor life and our experiences uh, and trying to learn what other people's experiences were, because, you know, everybody's brought into this life a little bit differently. Uh, but it usually seems like it's it's a father or some kind of guardian or or authority figure, but just kind of learning. Because, you know, the way we hunt is not the way everybody else does it. We were just always more curious to see, what are you doing? You know, let, let's see what everybody else is doing, and we'll show you what we're doing. Yeah, I like that. I like you guys' logo, too. It's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> so what hunts do you guys have planned this year? Uh when you guys want to take this? Yeah, I don't have any out-of-state um, plan hunts right now. Uh, we were going to go to Arizona with my brother-in-law. But that kind of fell through the cracks. Um, life happened. <laughs> and so it's just, it, mine's just going to be uh, a Wyoming hunts, um, elk, deer, antelope. And uh, we're going to try to get some spring bear in, too. Um, typically, spring bear is fun because it knocks the rust off of the winter, kind of get back out there actually hunting. And so uh, I'll try to do some spring bear. Um, and then uh, we're going to try to get all most of it, if not all of it, on video too, um, to share with our, uh, with our brand and, and whatnot. So that's what I have going on. And I've got, yeah, I've got some, uh, uh, some good plan for the, you know, the immediate future. I'm headed down to Arizona for a week, and then I'll head to south, southern Utah for a week. Um, that'll be a little bit of work and a little bit of play, um, more work than play. But um, I'm planning on doing some spring bear this year. And then I've got a, a wolf tag out in Idaho that I'm going to hit uh, June 2nd through the 7th, give or take. And then, yeah, uh, antelope, elk, mule deer here in Wyoming. And I, with a focus on getting a lot better, a lot more footage for, uh, for content. Because one of the things that all of us have in common is we we do get kind of lost in the moment and only up until recently have i like plugged it into my brain that i need to grab you know i need to i need to for what we're doing i need to you know we need to film it um in the past it's been you know really like matt said it's just you know kind of piece together footage because we forget uh that we're trying to film this stuff um but we also don't want to have the filming get in the way of a successful harvest because that's what we're there to do but um yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've got planned, and I'm gonna try to keep it in mind to get much better footage. And when I'm not hunting, filming for these guys, and vice versa. Yeah, we're it's all hard. land DIY type hunting, and uh, like you guys know, uh, it, it stuff happens so fast. 
to get oh, a yeah. camera up, let alone, let alone turn it on, you know, make sure it's pointing in the right direction. We really need a camera guy. And so Matt, um, he had some time off um, to help me, and he filmed one of my hunts. That was the one with my son this year. Um, but when I harvested my cow, uh, it was just me. I walked down to where I know that they're going to be, and sure enough, they were right there. But it happened so fast, public DIY. And I just didn't have a chance to get some footage. So I'll, like Sean said, we're going to get a lot better at that this year. Maybe get some GoPros too for the, for the stuff that we miss and try to piece it all together for some, for, for a good little episode for people to watch. Yeah. Like Sean said, it's hard to walk that line, man. Like you want to have some content for some viewers, but you also don't want to miss out on those opportunities, especially on the over the counter tags. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I wore a GoPro. Oh, sorry. Uh, I wore a GoPro. <laughs> I wore a GoPro all season, and even with the GoPro on my body, like stuff would happen so fast. The camera was the last thing on my mind in those close situations, and it just happened. I wasn't thinking about the camera. I was thinking about getting ready for the shot. So, even with the GoPro, sometimes it's hard just to remember to just click the button if you have a second. And sometimes you don't even have that. It's if you click the button, you risk, you know, them seeing you. So it does make a challenge. And that's, that was kind of one of our goals, too, is to get more footage because th there's just so many experiences that you want to share with everyone because they're just so cool. And so, yeah, I, I definitely understand you guys on that on that topic. We've got yeah, I would. We've, I've done the GoPro thing for, you know, past, you know, 10 years or whatever. And but it's also at this point a 10 year old GoPro. So <laughs> the, the last elk I harvested, that's all I had is I had the, the GoPro mount on, on my head. And I was like, oh, this footage is going to be great. The camera was on. I made a good shot on a nice bull at 80 yards. Well, it's, you know, when it only had like the fisheye video, <laughs> it looks, it looks like I took like a 900 yard shot at this elk, <laughs> that, you know, that you could barely see on the screen. So it's it's tough it, it, it's so mm -hmm. tough if you don't have somebody there as a cameraman with you uh but as for hunts that i have planned this year i've got uh i've got my wyoming mule deer and elk hunts um i'm gonna try and do a few hunts down here in texas uh and do some whitetail axis and maybe a few hog hunts but Still thinking about some over-the-counter tags in Colorado as well, but um, I've, I haven't been hearing good things over the past few years for for those over-the-counter tags. So I'm just going to keep researching a little bit. And um, Sean and I have talked about some OTC tags in Montana as well. If you guys ever do Montana, like you're more than welcome to come on a hunt with us. I know it'd be like quite a few we'd have to split up, but we've got some good spots over here. That'd be awesome, man. Appreciate yeah. that. I've always wanted to hunt Montana. That's uh, kind of in my bucket list of things to do. So I I've appreciate been that. You guys have a combo tag, mule deer and, and elk up there, don't you? Is that, is, is that just a certain part of the state on that combo tag? It's like 970 for that combo tag, which oh. is not. I don't know how the yeah. out-of-state works, but, like, you can get a deer and elk combo. Um, I think a lot of the places are probably, like, 100% draw for out of state for residents we just buy them over the counter we can hunt the whole state nice but i'm not sure bears over the counter too which is kind of nice yeah down here as well do you guys have anything that you want to add uh that you think that we didn't touch on yet 
not for me. I think it was a good conversation. This is awesome. Yeah. 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 I appreciate you guys having us on, man. This has been great. Sean was just yeah, mentioning absolutely. that uh, this has been a good Saturday morning type thing. Yeah. Can't, oh, yeah. can't get any better than with some buddies. So. Well, where can we where can we re- where can all the listeners reach you guys? What's all your social media plugs? Our uh, we have we have a TikTok and Instagram, and we basically operate off of those. And it's just Kill Switch Outdoors. Um, our website link is in the bio on both of those pages and it's also on my personal page as well real sean curtis um we have some shirts and some hats right now on on the website but we're gonna we're currently upping our merch right now um but the the website is a a good place to find kind of our our mission statement and stuff like that um with kind of who we are what we do and you know we kind of operate under the term hike out heavy um it's just kind of that kind of encompasses all that we try to bring to like this game is whether you're coming out with meat or bones or anything or nothing on your back. I hope you're coming out heavier with a better experience or a better appreciation for, for what we do, for what, what it is that, you know, we aspire to do. So all that stuff's available on those, on those platforms. And we do have a Facebook page, but we operate typically we're most active. I would think, and you guys can speak to this too, if you, if there's something different, but I think we're most active on our TikTok and Instagram pages. Yeah, yeah, and we have some videos on YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, Sean has some good uh, uh, product reviews on a on a Matthews bow, and uh, got a couple little hunts and um, fishing trips on there too. So check those out if you guys if you guys want. Yeah, definitely kill switch outdoors on YouTube, and we're we're looking at building up that content as much as we can. Like like y'all said, just just getting the filming done is the hardest part, you know, because things happen so fast, but. Uh, look for us to be putting out quite a bit of content throughout this entire year. Well, seriously, thank you guys so much for coming on and yeah, appreciated it. I enjoyed the conversation. It was nice. Yeah. Thanks guys. You guys yeah, were great. And uh, good luck to you guys um, yeah. next sunny season. If we don't talk, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that we will. And then uh, same thing. If you guys go fishing too, uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys have going on. Definitely appreciate it, guys. It's great to meet all of you. And, uh, yeah, definitely don't be surprised if we crash your camp up in Montana. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. We're going to sign off here. I'm going to stop recording. And uh, awesome. Thanks, you guys. You bet.